Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, David, it's going pretty good. We got uh, partly cloudy skies up here in northern Alberta. Temperature is about 12 degrees, even for a high of 19 today. And uh, traffic is light. Your commute should be gentle. I have not been outdoors in what feels like three to five days. And I just really want to go outdoors, but I'm too busy today. So tomorrow, I'm taking a five-day weekend so I can enjoy. Hopefully, it'll be nice weather all, all extra long weekend. Um, yeah, I gotta so get some sun. I want to encourage everyone to go to facebook.com slash the Liberty experts and check out the episode we did on current affairs. Um, we, at the end, we started talking about the upcoming election a little bit. Uh, we talked about Aaron O'Toole, but I think like, it sounds like there's going to be an election triggered long preamble to get to my point, which is I want to talk about potentially I, what I think would be a better strategy for the Libertarian Party in terms of actually making any, getting any traction. Um, and mm. I, we may have talked about this in the past, I don't remember, but I'm kind of reinvigorated into this idea. I think that the Libertarian Party trying to like kind of get a bunch of people elected across different districts and stuff is actually playing into the flawed narrative of big party politics that the three major parties perpetuate, right? Because right. really in Canada, it's not about getting a party elected. It's about each MP and then they pick, mm -hmm. you know, the prime minister. And I think that that would actually be the proper approach um, to actually trying to advance libertarian ideals is, you know, put all of the resources into trying to get Tim Moen elected to one seat and right. that's it. Um, and find the riding that seems to be most like that would be most likely to happen. And you can have some yep. other people as well. But I think like if you spent 10 years solely focused on you getting elected, meeting people in one community and really getting them to understand the value to them and their community of these ideas, I think that would happen more quickly. And then you actually have like that stature. People can see the successes or failures, but the successes of the actual view and the engagement and the approach. And the average person, the average voter doesn't, I think, I don't think they think that, oh, well, you know, if I meet Tim and Tim's a really good guy and Tim's advocating for my ideas, but he's not in the majority in parliament, then I don't get what I want. I don't think the average person thinks that way. And I think that's the way you can actually slowly build momentum. Like mm. if Maxime Bernier would have, focused really on winning one seat, that would have been success, I think, rather than spreading thin, trying with the PPC and just floundering. But yeah. I'm interested, have you considered this? What, what are your thoughts? Oh, I, yeah, believe me, bud, I've, <laughs> we've considered all sorts of different strategies. And actually, that's a strategy we kind of used in 2015. You know, we took the Libertarian Party war chest and we dumped it most of it into my riding. And we said, okay, I'm probably not going to win this riding, but if I can get at least 10% or something, we can make a mark and we can say, here we are, we're somewhat contenders. And then we can build off that. Right. And what we were trying to do 
was was kind of model our strategy after what we how we saw the Green Party get some success over time, right? And, and the way they did that was they dumped their war chest into Elizabeth May's riding, got her elected, and and then she went on to elevate the Green Party once she got a seat. Um, but what we didn't take into account was what happened the the election before that with the Green Party, um, where they had actually tried the same thing, the same strategy, and it failed miserably. Uh, actually, two elections before that, they tried the same strategy. Elizabeth May ran in Pictou County, I believe, in in uh, is it Nova Scotia or New Brunswick? I can never get I get those guys confused. Um, but <clears throat> she failed miserably, and then they realized what they had to do was was spread the war chest out over the whole uh, country with all their candidates, elevate the brand, the Green Party, and then try to find a riding that was going to be uh, very green friendly. And then she found one. So in, in the next election, again, they dumped their war chest across the country. No one got elected, but they elevated the brand. They found a riding where Greens were polling strongly. And Elizabeth May then inserted herself into that riding in the next election. Then they dumped their war chest in. Then they won. So, it, you know, in, in the last, in, the, in 2015, when we dumped that war chest into my riding, and I thought I was going to get more votes than I did because I had um, an army of social conservatives going door knocking for me, putting signs up for me, backing me. They really liked me. You know, I had some explaining to do to them because as soon as they Googled my name, the first thing that popped up was I want gay married couples to protect right. their marijuana plants with guns. And they're like, gay marriage, drugs, who is this guy, right? But it just took a five to 10 minute conversation with them. And they, they understood, you know, morality comes from what, you know, uber conservative Edmund Burke called the little platoons, churches, families, charities, that, you know, morality is best delivered from the bottom up rather than the top down. And now we've got the, now that government's in charge of marriage, they're threatening to make your church marry people that the church doesn't want to marry um, in the name of human rights. So, so they got where I was coming from and they got that I didn't want a bunch of gay drug use going on. I didn't want to elevate that. I just wanted people to have freedom. And because right. they had freedom, I thought that virtue, that it was going to be a much more socially conservative society. And I truly believe that. And so they got that right away. They instinctually, yeah. And, and they hated the conservative guy in their riding, even though they were conservative, because he was a red Tory, similar to Aaron O'Toole. His name was uh, Ron Leipert. And, um, and they, they hated his guts. But one by one, they all called me on the eve of the election and said, Tim, as much as we love you and we want to vote for you, we can't risk Trudeau getting elected. So we have to hold our nose and vote for O'Toole. And this happens again and again. This has happened every election where I've had supporters who's, who've backed me say they're going to have to vote against their worst fear rather than for their highest virtue. That's, that's a struggle that we're going to have to overcome. Now, I'm not saying that your strategy is impossible, but what I am saying is we have to soften Canada up and get elevate the Liberty brand, first of all. Then we find a riding, and I suspect it's going to be a rural riding or maybe a, a riding in the territories or something like that where I can insert myself and we can dump a war chest in and we can go after it. Um, but you don't think that's possible now because, you know, as soon as you say it's a big social conservative base, I wouldn't think that's going to be the one that really puts you through. It had, right. it would have to be people who are more like pro-liberty, pro-free markets type yeah. deal. But I guess also maybe that doesn't really exist in Canada. Maybe there is no riding where there's actually a substantive 
group of people talking in that language. I don't know. Well, I, I think there is. I think the farther north you go and the more remote you go, the less people see the need for government, right? Um, certainly rural people yeah, I would are, are much think more. It would be a rural riding. Yeah. So I, I think it's possible to do that. And, um, you know, if I started right now and I had an ample war chest, I could move to a riding and start campaigning and start knocking doors and make connections and do all that kind of thing and maybe get elected. Um, I don't have that kind of resources <laughs> right now. That would be a great strategy. I, you know, I need, I need, uh, uh, First of all, I don't collect any kind of salary from the party. I know Maxime Bernier gets, I think, $100,000 a year from his party for being leader on top of his um, his MP pension, which is even more than that, I think. So he can take all the time he needs to go try out. I think he's running in Toronto by-election. Someone said I should go to Toronto and run in that by-election. And, and again, I would love to do that. I'd love to be able to take time off work and go to Toronto and give Maxime Bernier and everyone else a run for his money, hold his feet to the fire on his foreign policy and get in debates with them and different things like that. But, um, you know, I'm at a point where, where I don't have that. So, you know, and, and I'm recognizing this is a weakness. This this is not helpful to the party or to the liberty movement. And this is why I I wanted Maxime Bernier to be our Ron Paul and take the mantle from me and run with it. He's not that. And I'm looking for someone I can hand the torch to that has those kind of resources, that has a time to, to be able to do that. I blew my retirement load. Um, I don't have another retirement to, to cash in. And, uh, you know, <sighs> So, you know, if, if I were going to do it now, um, if I thought that, that what needed to happen was I needed to get a seat and then use that as a platform to advance liberty, what I might do is run for the conservatives or something like that. I think that's my quickest route into parliament. And I think right. I could make some relatively libertarian noises and still uh, get into parliament. But I think I would be somewhat muzzled once I got there. I've just seen it too many times. Um, you know, there's an MP in St. Albert nearby here. I'm trying to remember his name. He wrote a book. He he left caucus. He left the conservative party because they tried to censor him. He got kicked out of caucus, I think, because he all he wanted was just a moderate transparency bill that let the press um, request salaries of uh, parliamentary staffers. And it got watered down so much that at the end of the day, all the press could, his bill would allow as a press to like get the salary of like six or seven parliamentary staffers because they met the threshold that, and he was just so disgusted with how Harper was running the show that he quit and went independent and then lost his seat. Well, that's going to happen every time. I mean, the conservatives have to run, every, every party has to run a tight ship and there's, there's structural reasons for that. Uh, even my candidates, like they require my endorsement to be a candidate, essentially. Yeah. Well, if they're saying something that's off-brand for libertarians, I, I'm hesitant to give them my endorsement. I don't want that message going out there. Is that right or wrong? I would prefer I didn't have that power. Um, and I'm, I'm working on ways within the party to put myself at a distance from that process so I can have kind of um, plausible deniability, let's say. But... Yeah. It's tough because yeah. it makes me think like the, it seems that the American version is healthier where someone can sure. kind of 
like the Tea Party can take over an aspect of the Republican Party, right? Like they can yeah. kind of take over from well, within. Well, Ron, Ron Paul was able to pound the pulpit and blast Republicans and Democrats alike uh, because he he has no is not in danger of losing um, his congressional seat or his party affiliation, right? He right. can still be a Republican, but uh, if I did that in Parliament, I would be kicked out of the Conservative Party. Right, and to me setting up a party where that's not the case seems like it's a freer market of ideas. Yes. And if you actually have that in the long term, it would win, right? Yep. That, that's the view, at least if the free market works, then the freer yeah. the market of ideas. Well, and actually this is another thing the Green Party has done correctly. I think right in their bylaws, they have created uh, an arm's length process for vetting and approving candidates. So the leader of the party has nothing to do with it. Like they, they have to, the leader of the party is required by their bylaw and their constitutions to endorse whoever the party chooses. And by that, it's like usually the EDA. So the, the electoral or the constituency association, they are the ones, the local people, and that's how it should be. They're the ones that select the candidate for their party for that region. And the leader, Elizabeth May, or whoever's the new leader is going to be has is required to endorse them and sign off on them. That's, that's it. And so I'd like something like that in the libertarian party. Cause then I could say, if a candidate goes off the rails, I could say, look, we're the libertarian party. We allow free speech. We allow free thought. We allow them to speak. This does not fit with libertarian philosophy or ideals or our platform. It's not something I agree with. I disagree with them on that completely. I think it's wrong, but I, um, I, I, I'm a libertarian and I have to allow him his conscience. Yeah, and okay. I would like to be able to say that, but right now I can't. Now I have to say, yeah, I endorse the guy because, you know, okay. so <laughs> he's the only guy we had. What's what's the plan of attack for the potential election in a few months? Yeah, well, the, I, I I've heard from our party central that we've had like over five hundred people express uh, desire to be candidates. Now that's like an all time high, from what I could tell. Um, what I, what I would like to do is get as many candidates in as many ridings as possible. I want libertarian on every ballot. Um, and, and that's not because I think that increases our chance of getting a seat. I don't think we have a chance of getting a seat, but it gets our brand out to every single riding. That, that candidate's going to be profiled in the local paper. People are going to Google what the heck is libertarian. Um, that'll get the brand out there more. People are going to Google you know, what that is, what that philosophy, what that political philosophy is. And that will elevate us, I think. And and so, um, you know, I have to be as visible as possible. I have to get out there as much as I can. And that being said, you know, I'm working a full-time job. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be the most effective leader I can and should be this election. 2015 was my banner year. And, and you know, but at the same time, I'm sensing based on all this flood of people into the party, um, that there's a huge demand for it. This is a great opportunity. Um, and I wish that I could quit my job and I had the financial resources to do this full time. I just don't. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to help out, you can, you can, well, you can contribute to this podcast. I mean, if I could make a living off this podcast, for example, um, then I could quit my job. And then, you know, this podcast lines up perfectly with what I'm doing with the libertarian party. Um, 
it, you know, you could also donate to the Libertarian Party, help us build up our war chest, you know, go to libertarian.ca and, and, and do that. Uh, I think now is a great opportunity to get our message out. I, I'm, I'm hoping that the election isn't this fall. I really am because I don't feel prepared for it. I don't feel like we have everything we need. Uh, I feel like we're just starting to build up. And I think if we have an election, it won't be as organized and as prepared as I'd like. And I think there's good reason. I think if these polls are correct, that we're seeing that the liberals are way out ahead. And, uh, you know, I think there's less chance that there will be an election this fall because the conservatives won't back a fall election. I think the conservatives are kind of in maybe in the same spot we are to some degree where they want to build up their brand, get Aaron O'Toole out there, get his numbers up before they start pushing for an election. So I hope that's true because, uh, you know, but yeah, go to libertarian.ca, join, um, drop us some some money and definitely drop some money here because, you know, I, I do not like to, there are some people in the party that think I should take a salary from the party and, and I'm sympathetic to that. And, you know, I just don't feel right about it because I know there's a lot of other people in the party who do just as much, if not more work than I do. They're all doing it voluntarily and, and on a volunteer basis. And um, so I, I don't want to collect a salary from the party until we really get our fundraising up to a high level and I can quit my job. And then it's going to have to be a decent salary because, you know, for me to quit my job um, and basically kill my career, it's not like I'm going to be able to come back to firefighting. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting up there, David, not, you know, not too many firefighters are going to hire me at my age. Um, I, then I'm taking a step off the edge into um, now everything is depending on me um, and this political career. So, uh, you know, I, we're not ready to be there yet, but, uh, but yeah, I think your strategy is, is a sound one. And it's one I've thought about quite often. And what, what ideally what I'd like to happen is spread, like get as many candidates as possible, ideally a full slate. There's going to be a few dud candidates in there. I, I recognize that. And, and, the strategy I, I use for someone, that is to, how does someone become a candidate if they're interested and how much does it cost to be a candidate? Yeah, it's uh, to, to be a candidate. Uh, when you join the party, go to libertarian.ca slash join and you can express your interest to be a candidate at that time. Uh, I think there's an email uh, at the party. Just go to, go to libertarian.ca and I think there's, you can either send an email through there um, or, or when you join, you can express your interest and then we'll have your name. And uh, it doesesn't cost anything to be a candidate. It used to cost a thousand dollars, which was a refundable deposit. When you finish your, your uh, elections, Canada paperwork at the end of the election, they'd give you a thousand dollars back if you got your paperwork in time. Uh, but the courts struck that down because someone challenged it here in Alberta. And so now you don't even need to do that. Now all you need to do is, uh, go out and get a hundred signatures on the correct form uh, of, of constituents. And they're just saying, yeah, I, I consent to you being my a candidate on, and appearing on the ballot. They don't even have to support you. They just have to support you being on the ballot. Um, and, and then you're off to the races and then you can spend as much or as little money as you want. You fundraise, you can donate to yourself up to a certain amount um, to collect donations. Uh, you can go as involved as you want. But at this point, I'll take paper candidates, people that just do the bare minimum to get on the ballot and get that libertarian name. And then ideally do an interview or two to talk about what the libertarian philosophy is, is show up to an all candidates debate, you know, and, and talk to the crowd because, you know, and, and this is a really good thing. You know, you think that it's going to be like Facebook, 
where people are coming at you and criticizing you and like arguing with you and that the debates are going to be you going battling back and forth. And that's very intimidating to a lot of people, but it's not like that at all. It's like an all candidates debate forum. You show up and there's questions like, what would you do about COVID? What would you do about um, the economy? What would you do about climate action? And you, you kind of know what the questions are going to be. So you, you have, you know, a prepared answer and you only got 30 seconds to a minute to speak. So most candidates don't spend any time rebutting each other. They just talk about what their values are. And you have a whole audience that's super curious about what your, what, what your stance is. They want to hear it. People show up to that because they're curious. So they're not there to criticize you. They're not there to put you down. They're just genuinely curious about what your philosophy is. And it's really refreshing and it, it causes you to learn to communicate uh, the message of liberty much more effectively uh, than you would say on Facebook where you're, you're kind of getting into a back and forth war with people. It, you know, Facebook doesn't reflect the real world very well. Um, so I, I would encourage people to get out to the real world. And if you, if you take, if you take yeah, if you take liberty seriously, you know, um, you shouldn't be afraid to preach it uh, on that, that um, on that stump and, and, talk to people who genuinely want to hear your message. Sweet. Well, you got me interested. I'm definitely going to consider it personally. Um, nice. And if you're, if anyone listening is interested or watching libertarian.ca slash join, and also consider supporting this show so we can get Tim a full-time gig working for us at uh, thelibertyexperts.com. Hey, David, are you in Toronto right now? I am. Uh, there's a by-election coming up there. You could run against Maxime Bernier. <laughs> interesting interesting yeah. let me think food about for it. thought food for thought mm-hmm.